Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome down to the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value, fantasy football. Got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons. And Cam Akers, Achilles injury. And sometimes, you know, we we miss the news by a few hours a day um, in season, especially with a lot of injuries coming out Wednesday, Thursdays, as opposed to Mondays per se. But uh, Cam Akers and and Katie, I'll just start out by saying, as we discuss it, this really felt like in, in a lot of ways of reacting to something, having a takeaway. What's the player value reaction? And for myself, going through the machinations of trade calculator, rankings, uh, thinking about my own teams and, and where I own certain players. But this really felt like not you know Deshaun Watson, not Aaron Rodgers, not some of these other storylines, but fi- having an injury that is impactful, that moves the needle for an offense, for a depth chart. This really felt like the start of the season in many ways. And I know we're getting rookies reporting and we're, we're basically getting there. But this really felt like, in a negative way, obviously, with the injury, but this felt like the, the beginning of season change, adjusting with whatever the new reality is of player value. It did. And, you know, it happens every year. There's always a player or two that gets injured. They're out for the season you have enough time to react. That's the beauty of dynasty. He's still a young guy. It is a tough injury, tough injury to overcome. History does not really do the running back position very kindly when it comes to ruptured Achilles, but 22 years old and hopefully, you know, prayers up for him because he's such a talented guy and it would just be such a shame if this is it. And there's a lot of risk involved, whether you own him or you're buying him or you're sitting back and you own Daryl Henderson. I don't think Daryl Henderson is the answer. He himself is questionable for week one. And I think they're going to pull in some kind of veteran back, whether it's Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley, whoever. There's all Le'Veon Bell. There's all kinds of names being bantied about. It just, you know, from the dynasty fantasy football perspective it's juicy it's news but it's a player's life and so it's sad to that point but you know I bought a share of him today I've also seen a couple of shares of him traded in other leagues that I wasn't involved in the trade you're referencing Akers or Henderson just to clarify um, Akers okay there we go I if anything I would sell Henderson right now um but I bought one share of Acres for a Debbie depleted rookie uh, rookie slash Debbie first for next year. It's 36 players depleted. So it could end up being like a second round valuation. It could end up being a home run. Who knows? There's a lot of risk on their part. There's a lot of risk on my part. I bought a potential stud if he can come back. And that's the big if, if he can come back. We don't know. We don't see it a lot. We know that 
surgery procedures have changed a lot since. And, and like Devonta Foreman was never a big starter that had proven he was a stud when he got his injury. So that's not really comparable. This is the first stud that it's happened to in a while. Well, Marlon, Marlon Mack was, yeah, was a, a day Marlon three Mack, guy that, that honestly, he felt like one of those overachieving. He had the job because he wasn't truly challenged to a great degree. I know I'm not the biggest Marlon Mack fan innately coming out of the, out of the draft cycle when he did, but we'll see, like he's going to be an interesting year ahead litmus test and obviously not the same thoroughbred profile of cam makers, but he is one year ahead. And there are some people that think Marlon Mack is going to be the number two back. Now that's different than being a lead back and seeing 250 touches. But if he is the injury away guy to be beyond Jordan Wilkins and getting touches or maybe more carries than Naheem Hines, then that actually would be a positive, I would think, for Cam Akers' value as it sort of transitions through this year plus of recovery. Um, but now if, if Marlon Mack doesn't work out, let's say he's not on a great track. What if he's released? What if he is by next off season looking like he's out of the NFL for all intents and purposes, that's not going to look good for cam Akers. And, you know, regardless of different players and, and like you just said, a different sphere of, of talent potential there. And so the, the thing that, that, I find interesting is that we've had a ton of medical advancement and even one year sometimes there's a new procedure. There's a new way that doctors are doing things and it, but it still feels like the Achilles and not just the Achilles, but the Achilles attached to running back position, not so much other positions directly that this is still the one where we've yet to see a true return to 75, 80% form. And, you know, you were a, you know, top, 30, 40 running back in the NFL, and now you've returned to similar levels. Uh, we are still in that zone of trying to find even the aberration, even the the outlier success story of, well, everyone doesn't come back, but that guy does. Like the whole, remember Adrian Peterson's story of, you know, you know, no one comes back in that timetable and he came back and had a massive season. So he was kind of rewriting things from an ACL perspective, but and and we'll see, you know, with Sequan Barkley having a significant knee injury, and what does that look like with him returning? But Cam Akers does feel like that. You really hope this isn't a the career altering, never quite the same. Deonta Foreman came back. I remember Mikel Ashore actually averaged ten or eleven points per game. I can't remember what the sample size was, and I don't even know if it was the year after uh, that he got hurt. If memory serves, I think he was out multiple seasons, but came back and was either a committee member, uh, something like that. But it was pretty much a one-off scenario when he when he produced um, in that secondary, you know, career career lifespan there. Um, but yeah, like what you were saying about uh, Daryl Henderson, I think Cam Akers is going to be an interesting one to see. I don't, I don't know if we're going to see him moved a ton, to be fair. I think there's going to be enough caution with him that the sellers aren't really going to want to sell, say, for a second and a player. And I, I think the buyers won't want to pay much more than that, if I have a sense. I do think Daryl uh, Henderson is going to be moved far more liquidly in the market. Yeah, I saw Cam Akers go for straight up for Kareem Hunt today. I traded a 22 first, but it's Debbie depleted. So it's, in my mind, more like a second 
And again, with potential, a second with potential, if they take a Debbie player and 36 is not super deep, but that means they're going to have to push out to another class or whatever. So, I mean, it could end up working out again. It could work out great for both of us. Who knows? It's risky on both sides. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because big cam makers fan. And, and I, I did talk most of the off season when he vaulted up to, what was it? Uh, running back five, six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range going off in startup drafts. He had the smoke. He had the heat in terms of he went on a run. He got some volume. He had some good games, but there were reasons for pause uh, that he wasn't going to be a mid running back one or higher this year that he had not you know, done enough in his rookie season in aggregate to really put him on that historical path. And the sad thing is now it'll be like Schrodinger's cat. We'll never know. We'll never know what was in that box for Cam Akers 2021 season. I do think working against uh, Daryl Henderson is the factor of time. If this had happened in the third preseason game, I think Daryl Henderson had a much better chance of getting to week one. And even if they signed somebody in the, the closing 7, 10, 14 days leading up to week one, that's a really short ramp up period for a veteran, uh, someone that maybe got cut from another roster. Looking at you, Royce Freeman, or can we get all hope and dream? But uh uh, but you really don't have the same amount of time. Now, they might go into camp. Okay, let's see what we have with Xavier Jones. Let's see what we have with Jake Funk. We don't have you know, a glaring number two option here. So that's the part that gets me, is their depth beyond Henderson and Akers was very much up in the air. And that actually hurts Henderson here because an addition is not good. An addition is someone that's going to be a factor, probably someone with a profile of production. You mentioned Le'Veon Bell, maybe Gurley comes back. I mean, there there are a few guys out there that should concern you as a Henderson, you know, if you're hoping for a massive breakout and 300 touches. So that's the part, the time value of late July all the way to week one. And so what if Henderson gets dinged up? Like you mentioned, I mean, he may not be healthy. He for already week is. Right. Uh, uh, he, yeah. They're, he's so so they're going to need, they're going to need warm bodies for the preseason. Do they have enough backs to rotate through for all the carries in preseason games for the reps in training camp? So that is a a natural, just a, a technical barrier there for, for the Rams being out one of their major get a lot of reps uh, going into his second season. So that's the part that has me concerned. And I think this is the classic arbitrage potential situation where you have Henderson. He's a he was an injury away guy, one of the better ones in terms of a profile and what you could think he could do in a best case. And yet now he gets vaulted up, but it's July. He gets zero credit so far. Until September, he gets zero credit for games started. And so if you're able to parlay that, like I think the classic would be, I mean, if you're able to flip for a first, I think that is something that's obtainable in the marketplace. But I always think of it in terms of like, so what's his profile? Can you get like the similar profile plus? Like, could you transition to Damian Harris plus? Because Henderson has the juice right now. Could you transition to one of the high upside injury away guys? Because Henderson might devolve into being that by week one anyway. So that that's the thing about, again, the timing of this is the thing that I wanted to focus on just because if, if, if people are going at the situation or saying, oh, well, now I have found money. Well, you don't have found money until the games start. And there's a lot that can happen between now and then. He has not shown the capacity to stay on the field 
he's a hot potato in my in my mind. He he reminds me of James Randall in that competition is coming. Question is when and who. Guarantee somebody's coming into camp and it will be competition for him. So the sooner you can sell him for a first, get ahead of your league, somebody should bite. I yeah. I I really think that. And again, I think the offer, you said get a first. I mean, I think the offer would be, again, to balance out the players, get a running back, you know, uh, again, a guy, a guy that can play a little bit, someone that's a number two, even somebody that you really like that's a number three on a depth chart, but get somebody and get a chip and a chair and a chance, as we say, that you can benefit from injury just like Daryl Henderson and do it all over again. Like that's what I love about this conveyor belt of running back is that you flip one for a second. In this case, you know, he's worth more than that. You flip and then you get another one and you still have 10 of them and you can keep doing this and you can start them, you know, when you got them, if you want to, or if you need to, whatever in season, but at all times you have this liquid currency because people are going to be interested in someone that's going to see, 10, 15, 20 touches potentially in a game where that's hard to find. You get bye weeks, injuries, and sometimes there's not 32 of them. That's just the way it goes. So, um, yeah, and, and, and just like I, I think I've been pointing out maybe a couple times during the offseason about these benchmarks of free agency or the NFL draft, but I've been pointing it out with the Atlanta Falcons depth chart. I really like Mike Davis, but you look at the remaining part of the depth chart, and just like the Rams here, both of those have similarities in the fact that you look at running back to and beyond right now and you say, I don't know how an NFL team would be super comfortable with that. So that means they're prone to an addition. And that's not the greatest news for the current starter. And so that's, again, we're pointing it out here with Daryl uh, Henderson, uh, just because if they had a little more stable, like if Malcolm Brown was still there and, you know, and, and, and you know, then you're looking at a, a better one-two punch. And right now, unless someone emerges, it's looking very weak. And like you said, there's concerns that Henderson's going to be one that they trust. And frankly, how it's set up right now, they're going to need for him to be a workhorse type uh, runner that, as you said, the profile just really isn't there to predict that with confidence. And I, I did want to ask you, because th- we're going to get into the season and the next four to eight weeks and really start to transition. And I think this is a good highlight of how the market is going to move rapidly. Now, this is going to be a relatively static thing. Who knows? Maybe in two days they sign somebody and the market changes again on Henderson being a buy or a sell or the new player coming in. But can you talk through for, for Dynasty GMs about the process of just you can't wait for 20 similar trades to have a take to listen to resources and say, I'm moving on this because Daryl Henderson could be a good example of who knows how long this window is where you can get a first or a first plus. Because if they sign somebody, if Le'Veon Bell is signed next week, I don't think that first first plus is going to be available anymore. And this is basically the calendar we're on in season where something happens on Sunday or Monday and you have until the following Thursday, Saturday, Sunday to buy, sell, drop, add, etc. We're kind of getting practice right here in a one, one-off sample size. Cam Akers went from second round startup value to zero in one day. You have a very small window. If you've got Daryl Henderson and you don't sell him in the next few days, 
expect competition and expect the price to go back down. Try your best to unload him for a first and, or AJ Dillon or Dame, you know, somebody, some running back that you like better that is even more stable, in my opinion. I think you've got a very short window here. Do you think, so you mentioned A.J. Dillon offhand. Would you be looking at that as a straight-up deal? Do you think you could get Dillon plus um, at present? I don't know that you could get Dillon plus. He still has a pretty good name. Okay. But I'd be happy straight-up trading. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the time, though. You know, it's July, and that's a different animal than you're in October and you know if it's Dylan or just an injury away guy or a guy that's on the lesser side of a committee, let's say, and now you're looking at four days away, six days away from starting them in your lineup, and you know your record. Like at this point in time, you don't know how much you're going to need a guy like Daryl Henderson. You know, every team could use a first. You know, just to bank that and and put it in the the coffer because we know what that could buy in season. We know the flexibility that you have in future off seasons, and you lock in that price point. That let's face it, a lot of times they do go away. Um, is your general? It varies player to player, but do you think the marketplace of Hey, certain guys, if I can get them in a rookie draft for a second, for a third, let's say they're going to start out as an injury away, or we kind of project that to be their uh, project that to be their starting point on a depth chart for running back. But when they get to the, pri- the price point of, oh, they're going to be starting or projected to start and now worth a first, that's really where you have to decide how you feel about a player. Like if Dalvin Cook, if this was Dalvin Cook that went down, now you have to decide about Alexander Madison, correct? Because you know, this is the point where he would be in the Daryl Henderson position and worth a first plus. Well, exactly. And not all backup running backs are hot potatoes. I think that Daryl Henderson is a hot potato because of his injury history of his own. The fact that he is questionable for week one, the fact that he has no depth behind him and therefore he's a big target for somebody else to come in. Whereas We've seen what Alexander Madison can do when Dalvin Cook has been banged up. We've seen what A.J. Dillon can do when Aaron Jones was banged up. And we think that they could take over that job. And that's a different situation than somebody like Henderson, who may not even be the starter on week one. He may not get the starting job all year long. And that's the difference. So if you have conviction about a guy and he's an injury away and he gets the starting job, it's sometimes in your best interest to keep him because of what you're going to get for production compared to I'd rather have the future pick or I'd rather have a different player. It's like you got a bunch of balls in the air, your juggler, you've got a bunch of balls in the air. Well, this one I want to keep in my hand. Yeah, and I think I think what you're mentioning is also I remember there was a lot of hand wringing back in the spring where there was a it feels like it was about a two week span where a lot of projection, a lot of conjecture that oh Aaron Jones is not going to go back to Green Bay, and then AJ Dillon, uh, you know, was pre- I mean he was going in like the fifth round or so of startup yeah, drafts exactly, yeah. and then and then everyone feels like they you know rubbed it all over their face because. 
you know, they, they make that pick and a week later, Aaron Jones resigned. And, and I think that is an interesting microcosm of situation. Like you're in theory though, buying players. And that's an example where AJ Dillon didn't make it out of the month, you know, with, with Jones coming back, but there still was no guarantee that they don't bring back Jones. Well, who's to say they don't draft a back in the first two or three rounds. Who's to say they don't sign a notable free agent later on in the summer? Uh, you know that. So you still have to make it all the way, and that's why you have to be very. We talk about this with startup draft planning in the springtime all the time, which is you have to be really pre NFL draft, uh, especially is the more variables in front of you before you actually set lineups, the more uh, stable and secure secure the profiles of who you're drafting because. When NFL teams have options, you need to know that there's uh, added risk attached. And with running backs, you know, and that's why with Mike Davis, it's like, okay, so we have them. We we used them last year uh, in Carolina a lot. Okay, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency. So we have that variable. Oh, he signs with Atlanta. Oh, great news. But we still said, well, what if they sign somebody else? What if they draft somebody? Now, those things did not notably occur, but there's still a risk factor there. And I, I just remember the AJ Dillon one where a lot of people think, oh, I drafted him in the fifth round. Well, you should draft him in the fifth round because you think he's a good player. Like that's one part of it because situation changes. I mean, because right. the funny part is you'd be like, oh no, I messed it all up. And go out if, what if Aaron Jones is the next notable back to go down with injury? And AJ Dillon, after all of that, is actually the week one workhorse starter. So you go all the way back and say, well, I drafted him at you know 68 overall. Well, you got all the way to week one and it was a bumpy road, but you still got the guy and the exact role you thought back then. So uh, running back is just, you, you talk about it all the time. You want to have enough. I, I say I want to have enough, uh, enough exposure to enough NFL depth charts so that a lot of these injuries or changing of the, of the guard, so it affects me. Like I want to have variance. I want to have the upside of at some point when things are, you know, you roll the seven in season, a few of the injuries went your way. And now I've got five starting running backs and I can put them, you know, three or four or five of them in my roster, in my lineup. You want to have that variance. But if you only have exposure to four or five backfields, you don't have enough probabilities. You don't have enough dice that you're actually rolling. Whereas if you've had exposure to nine or 10 different backfields, now you're cooking. I mean, now the odds, like every other week, the odds are decent that there's some injury, some, some guy being held out that's going to benefit you for a spot start, a spot two starts. Um, and again, I, I just I go back to that. This is just starting. I mean, we see so many landscapes change on depth charts and that's why running back is such a focal point of analysis and it should be because it is the closest quarterback, I guess a little bit just because they're going to be out there every snap, but um, running back is the closest one-to-one the starters out. What's the backup going to do just because goal line touches there. I mean, almost every team has a running back in uh, you know, on the field for, for almost every offensive snap. So that that is the reason why we pay such close attention to the position. And again, you want to have touches of of each of these backfields that you can, especially when there's leverage of ambiguity. I want to go on a little bit of a mini rant right here. And one of the things that I've observed over the years 
and I think I've mentioned it several times, but I'm going to put it in different terms. There are so many dynasty owners that play like it's redraft. And when a guy like Cam Akers goes down, yes, it's a, that particular injury is such a high risk, but even when Saquon Barkley went down and it's an MCL and ACL isn't as bad as it used to be for, it's not a death knell for running backs. The Achilles certainly could very, very well be, but when a running back in July goes down, or when you just look at your roster and you think, man, I don't have any running backs and it's July, you, you almost treat it like redraft. One of the guys that I chat with quite a bit and I love him has accrued three 23 firsts and two 22 seconds and he's rebuilding. He's got a fairly good wide receiver core, fairly good quarterbacks, fairly good tight ends, but he's already mentioned that one of the teams in the league is completely loaded. And a week ago, he offered two of his firsts, 122 first and 123 first for Cam Akers, and the guy scoffed at it and declined and didn't counter. And he was like, why didn't he even counter? Like, does he really think he's worth three firsts? This is ridiculous. And I'm not going to be able to be competitive for two years if I just draft draft picks. Like, he accrued the draft picks with the, in mind that he was going to be patient. But then he threw patience out the window and said, I got to buy a running back or else I'm not going to be competitive for two years. And then look what happens. If he would have bought Cam Akers a week ago for those two firsts or three firsts or whatever, he would have been holding a bag. And July is just, I mean, if, if you don't think of it as a dynasty play, when you make a trade, I don't care what time of the year, you're going to end up getting burned eventually. You're going to get burned. And you can't think of, oh, I only have five running backs and they all stink and I don't have a starting running back. So much can change. We haven't even had training camp yet. Your running back crew could look different two months from now. You don't know that you're not going to be competitive. And the time to trade for that running back is in season when you know what you need. Well, and you you know that you want to need it. Here's the, That's right. the other thing, right? If you're one in five, why are you making a trade for, for a guy when you look and you're like, you know, it's not, I don't have a tough luck a tough luck one in five, you know, I'm actually earning this, you know, I'm earning a high first right now and you're not going to want to make that move. Uh, so yeah, you want to wait till the end. And, and yeah, like I, I remember, uh, you know, one of the drafts I'm doing right now and, and we actually talked about it where it's, you know, it's the exact type of format where it's, it's pretty easy to look at Y plus one and say, let's focus on that. But you start doing, uh, you, you start going through the draft and for example, I mean, I'm going to try to, uh, I'm going to try to be, you know, competitive because all of a sudden I found like Daryl Henderson was a guy that fell on my lap, you know, deep into the draft. Well, now I have options. Now I have could trade him, uh, and, and maybe get somebody that's startable or, you know, you just have, have more options because late running back is the method, uh, to do so. And I actually wanted to share that, uh, through so many offers, uh, you know, this afternoon uh, and before we started recording, that um, and and this is what we always talk about: that explore the marketplace. And whether it was Daryl Henderson or Cam Akers, 
um, I wanted to get a sense of the marketplace of what I viewed as the buy sell lines and, and really kind of press that and see where we are. I got one finalized deal. So uh, again, and that's why what I always say is if you're not sending out, I mean, uh, you know, a bunch of offers, then yeah, you're probably not going to make a bunch of trades. That's just the way it goes. Unless you are just having deep unearthed conversations with, with all of your league mates, you know them intimately. I know exactly who would be interested in these players and I've known them for years. And I have a, you know, I have a journal about, you know, all the different owners. I like, I get all that, but let's be fair. If you're in five leagues, 10 leagues beyond who I ain't got time for that. Like, that's why every once in a while I get a comment where it's like, you sent me, you sent me an offer like this, you know, or I said three months ago, I wasn't interested in this player and I want to go. Do you know how many offers I have sent since the random one? The fact that this offer I'm sending you stands out to you is a little alarming because that means A, you haven't received many offers. B, there haven't been many offers between these two that I sent you. And C, I guess you're not sending many. Um, and so this is the deal that, that was finalized for selling cam makers. I have them a bunch of spots. Um, and again, uh, this is the tough luck part. You know, he was absolutely a UTH player, UTH target player uh, last year's rookie cycle. Uh, Love the player. I had sold some shares uh, just because I thought his market got too hot. Um, and some of them I was looking to turn, you know, running heavy running back into a core level wide receiver and some other things. But this was a deal. And uh, right up Kitty's alley because she she's already saying, hey, if, if 2022 doesn't work, maybe look at 2023. So Cam Akers for Jamal Williams. I'm always looking for that injury away guy and a 23 first um, in this one. And uh, going to keep rolling. I had a potentially dominant four or five running backs uh, to, to get in my lineup. Now I'm down one potentially with Cam Akers not in there, but uh, looking to compete. But I think, again, this locks it in. And I... I will say this for any share of cam makers. I sell. I'm absolutely hoping he comes back. He is the one that proves us. We doctors history of running backs, all this wrong. And he's the type of guy, you know, younger is better. If this happened to a 29 year old, I would have minimal confidence like that. It would be a career ender. And I would say that I would write it in Sharpie. And if I'm wrong, I'll just throw out the paper and say, I, I was a bad beat, but I'm hoping Cam Akers makes this deal look silly. I hope he comes back and it's like, huh, a first. <laughs> I'm worth way more than that. And he's back in 2023 being the starter. But what I will say is this does mitigate the risk of if he turns into uh, some of the iterations we've seen with running backs and Achilles previously, where if he returns or he's on track, will that bump his value a little bit? You know, he's going to be out of sight, out of mind for a while, but if next summer, next fall, you start hearing positive reports, then he's going to come back just a little bit. There's going to be some um, optimism there. However, I, again, I really do think getting the injury away type guy or committee back and then getting a first in the future, if you can. I've heard, well, again, I did this one. I've heard one or two others. So they are out there that, again, I think that's one of the ones where Jamal Williams might be a starter for part of this year. So you get someone now, but you also have a pick later. And again, rooting for Cam Akers to just make me look absolutely silly by trading them in this deal. But I do think, if and this is the portfolio method, that, that having some, selling some, exploring what the price point that you would want, and knowing that even if you want that, 
if you have 20 shares, you might sell three or four of them or eight of them, but you're still going to have some is the point. Uh, so, so, you, so you're never going to be like, oh, well, now I'm all out. Unless it's a dropped player or maybe an added player from deep, it's, you're really not going to have exposure beyond you know, 30, 40%. And, and you can't get down from you know, 60% down to 20% outside of dropping a guy um, you know, in any short time frame is what I would say. Right. Uh, final thoughts, Katie? No, just that uh, we've got some new listeners and some new subscribers, which I think is awesome. I want to give you all a shout out. If you've got any questions, keep them coming. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I would prefer DM. And <laughs> if I'm not following you, just go ahead and say, hey, Skyler, I, I would like to uh, ask you a question. I'll follow you and we can private message. That way it just keeps it out of the eyes of your league mates and my league mates and, uh, you know, just prying private eyes. conversation. Prying on. eyes. The prying exactly. eyes of uh, stock and mainstream Twitter. Um, exactly. And I wanted to shout out um, because actually, like, like Katie was saying, I mean, got a bunch of new subscribers um, over the past three, four days and so many comments. So I wanted to shout out to uh, UTH VIP Mike, who uh, just a couple minutes on on how this came to be. But last Friday, uh, he and I were going to have a conversation in the morning. Uh, that that one hour about potentially his team. He said he wanted to share sort of about his UTH journey since he subscribed and sort of taking on dynasty teams and where he stands today. And I'm all about it all the time to have these conversations, whether they're recorded or not, whether it's a formal show or not. So we, we had no script. We had no idea what we were going to discuss. It turned into three hours. We both at the end were like, we got to go. We, we like, we became friends in three hours, but we got to go. Like he's got to go to work. I got to go, uh, you know, run some errands or something. And it was like, but when that show got finished, I really didn't know. So I was like, what do we have here? It's basically just a the typical, you know, you're you're attached to maybe a couple other people on bar seats and you're hearing a conversation and you're a fly on the wall or it's a three-way phone call and you're not talking. So I was like, you know, this feels like typically I would put it out for UTH subscribers. It's a premium show. However, I was like, you know, we didn't do uh, you know, a ton of the good stuff, as I would call it, you know, in terms of player analysis and, and strategy points, we talked about some of that, but I was like, this is like a, a story about dynasty life. And, and Mike had some very, very nice things to say about UTH. I got to say, you know, a lot of the ways that I run things and just have a very old school connectivity. Every person matters uh, mentality. And I got so many positive comments. I wanted to say on the air publicly to Mike, thank you for the conversation. Uh, it was an enjoyable time, whether or not it, it ended up with any other additional subscribers or not. That was not my intention. But And I had people that said, hey, I went on a road trip this weekend and your show saved me. Like that you never know who's going to be on the road for eight straight hours and Oh, I have a three hour show to listen to. That's awesome. You know, or I'm flying, I'm stuck in the airport, whatever it is. But just, I just want everybody to know because I know if I get 20 comments about something, there were probably 100 and just 20 were the ones that, that reached out to me. So I just want to say thanks for the support when I do additional side projects or things like this that are outside the norm. And 
it, it just really was great to have that dialogue, but also have it appreciated by the listeners. And again, I don't, I don't do advertising. You're not going to see UTH on, on Google AdWords, or you're not going to hear UTH talked about uh, specifically, you know, Kitty goes on other shows and I do guest appearances and stuff like that, but it's not going to be where you hear an ad read about UTH on another show. So uh, word of mouth, which is kind of tough too, because people want to keep it to themselves. But shows like this are going to be my way of, of giving back a little bit, providing a little bit behind the curtain of what you do get uh, with, with premium shows where a lot about dynasty trading tactics this time of year, uh, do some player features. I'm very transparent with the trades I make. I just shared one here on the air. Uh, I'm kind of talking through the process. But, uh, but anyway, thanks so much for the kind words. And thanks again to Mike because uh, he as well as myself, but, but Mike coming on wanting to do the show and wanting to, again, share his, his time, talents and uh, experience uh, and, and very much a testimonial to, uh, to the connections that, that I've made with Mike over the years with dozens upon dozens of emails. We've recorded shows together and just building that relationship over time. And it's not specific to Mike. Uh, Mike is not one that, you know, he's not the only one that I, I could say um, those nice things about because, it really is about fostering that the connectivity environment. So uh, speaking of that connectivity, I mean, Katie's been on the show for years and years now. Uh, the DVF Devi, she's she's earned that title uh, and, and definitely warranted. We're actually doing a, a draft together uh, right now, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's always fun when we get to co-own and uh, co-tactics uh, and strategy of, of team building and also our existing teams. And uh, we'll be back next week. And I'm sure Cam Makers is just the start of, of this uh, hot stove analysis that's going to be changing on an hourly and weekly basis. So buckle in, get ready, and basically see you at the new year <laughs> because uh, it's, it's not going to stop for the next five plus months. We got an extra bonus week uh, starting this year. So for Chad Parsons and Katie Flower, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. You know he's I, my guy. I would like, well, maybe you should guess better. You're just stabbing me in the heart. <laughs> <laughs>